it's a little stock. Basol, take one. It's a big old fat motherfucker called. Blazing buzzard buttocks. Big rigor inspection, spatial. Under my feet. Huh? Look, the biggest heavy band of all time. I wouldn't ask you to do a drum roll if your arm fell off. There was an incident with uh, the pyrotechnics. Hey, Kirk! Squillions of dollars and squillions of people. How the fuck are you, Lars? Piddly wants and wills and needs. Lars Ulrich, drums and bongs. What the fuck does that mean anyway? I hate that fucking camera, man. Well, since we started. I'm talking about like a fucking live gig. You see this for, right? What really gets my dick hard? Mommy. Hi, this is Chloe Trujillo and you're listening to End Podcast for All. Podcast for all. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. Season 8, Episode 4. We are back to our regular scheduled programming, Jeff. Last week was pretty uncut, unrehearsed, no set list, no editing. That's all right. People got to hear the real side of us, and maybe they even liked your squeaky chair. My squeaky chair, your I means, you know, I mean, likes. You know what I mean? I love the smell of WD 40, speaking of squeaky chairs. Did you hit the did you hit the chair with a little WD? I did. Look, I'm moving right here. No squeak. It's all gone. WD40.com. Yeah, well, now people are disappointed because now it sounds unnatural. My dad used to spray WD40 on the garage door tracks. Mhm. Oh yeah, garage door tracks. Sometimes the door of your car gets a little squeaky. Yes, but anytime he would lubricate the 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 rails of the garage door he'd go inside and then guess what i did uh did you help him i would put my nose right in the middle of the track and sniff for about 20 minutes wow just <laughs> dude that smell is amazing it definitely brings back memories. It's My like grandpa magic rainbows in that can. Magic rainbows, WD four. See, maybe you were meant to be a mechanic. <laughs> you have a, you have a Tesla. You should be working on cars. You get to use WD forty a lot when you're working on cars. I'm not. I'm not the greatest in the mechanic world, but I'm good at sniffing garage rails. You were probably getting stoned off of that freaking WD forty. Didn't even realize it. That's... Killing the killing them brain cells, and then you listen to metal music on top of it. Dude. That's exactly what happened. That's probably why I didn't do well in college. And tonight we are talking to a college professor that is probably ten times as smart as my WD forty days. And unlike the APFA grading on a curve scale, I think he does things the proper way. Yeah, I don't think there's a curve. He's a professor in Northeast Pennsylvania, an amazing author that has written several books, including. Topics of Seinfeld and The Simpsons. I think we could talk Simpsons with them for 15 hours. We could get 15 minutes of Simpsons talk for sure. 
The book is called <laughs> The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics by Mr. William Irwin. That's I a great mean, name. It, it's amazing. He's a professor. He has written several books. I just said that. I don't know why I'm saying it again. When you've sold over a million copies in your lifetime as an author, uh, you know what you're doing. He's been a Metallica fan since 1984. And when you write a book about Metallica's lyrics, you're a diehard. I love it. You're definitely a diehard. Has to have been a lot of hours put into that book. You know, I mean, I think about what it's like just to just to write a novel, write anything creative, but to really sit down and dive deep, pick these lyrics apart. He probably had to go through and listen to them over and over again. Do you think he ever got a little bit of fatigue or even listener fatigue from songs that he probably never thought that he'd get sick of? That's a great point. When you have to put Sandman on repeat to really dissect what's going on there with the thought of Snow White. Mm. You got to listen to every song when you write a book like this. And then some. You lost me with the Sandman thing. What's there to dissect in that? Come on. Exit light. Turn on your flashlight. Exit stage left, maybe. Oh, come on. You got to talk about the hits tonight. The hits? His book is filled with all sorts of B-sides and rarities. Some deep tracks, and that's what I love. Deep tracks. Sandman to Confusion, Struggle Within, King Nothing. You know you're going deep when you're talking about Here Comes Revenge. Yeah, I would have never thought, hey, let's dissect revenge and figure out what it means. When the topic came up of having an author on, I thought, first time, we've never talked to an author. We've Mm -hmm. really never even talked about Metallica lyrics in just coming up on two years. That is kind of crazy to think about because it's such a vital part of not only their music and their legacy. Literally, we've never touched on it at all. Yeah, we've talked about set lists, guitar solos, and Zildjian cymbals 45,000 times. We've never really jumped into the fire of what King Nothing means to you, what 2x4 could mean to you, what, what wherever I may roam is, what sanitarium is. Unfortunately, the only lyrics we really talk about are the hua. The gods are laughing. Hua. Hua. <laughs> Our guest tonight doesn't know this, but we're going to put him on the spot. We're going to play a little jump in the fire. Name that lyric. And we're also going to share our top five lyrics over the past 40 years. Do you think a guy who has spent countless hours writing a book about almost every single lyric that Metallica has written, do you think he's bound to get stumped? I don't see it happening. I don't. After reading this, I've read this one and a half times. It's it's great. Start reading it. Read it again. Nice. Yeah, and then I'm halfway through it again, just kind of taking notes before we talk to Mister Irwin. I don't think the great detail that's in this book. You have to nail any trivia that's asked about a lyric. You're a professor. You're a professional. You're a perfectionist. When you read this thing, it's that good. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any uh, grammatical errors in that book. That's why I like when Microsoft Word had the old spelling and grammar toolbar. Your iPhone has autocorrect, and it's absolutely terrible. I'm, I was just going to say, I'm not a fan of autocorrect. It's terrible. Because I sometimes spell like James Hetfield spells, and they don't like when James is spelled with a Z. If you do it enough times, it'll eventually remember it. About a thousand. It takes a while. It takes a good minute. Probably about as many hours as is Bill or do you think he goes by Bill or William? Mr. William Irwin. I'm I'm guessing he goes by Bill. You know, it's probably the same amount of hours that Bill put into his book. 
is our iPhones to actually remember what we want it to say. So after Mr. Irwin sells a million copies of the meaning of Metallica ride the lyrics, he should go work for Apple. Yeah, fix that. You know, he's going to sell a million copies. He's like Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause. He's going platinum. He's going platinum. If you sell a million books, do you get a, a platinum book framed? Does a book go higher than a New York Times bestseller? Higher than number one? <laughs> I mean, let's can, it, can a record, can a song go higher than number one? <laughs> Is there anything above that? Either way, I'm excited to talk to him. I know he's probably going to put us in our place a little bit just because... He's obviously incredibly intelligent, knows his shit. He has spent a lot of time with these lyrics and, you know, he's probably pretty close to them now after really dissecting them and, and taking him, who knows, we might even learn something. It might be our own university of Metallica 101 with Atva today. I'm excited. Jump into the lyrics once again, available April 19th, any Barnes and Noble, anywhere on Amazon, any bookstore, anywhere online. Just Google the meaning of Metallica. Ride the lyrics, Mr. William Irwin. Ready to go to Pennsylvania? I'm definitely ready. You guys, you're not going to be let down. This book is amazing. Check it out. Here we go. The meaning of Metallica. Ride the lyrics with Mr. William Irwin. William, how you doing, sir? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Shane, Jeff, awesome to be with you on and podcast for all. Well, thanks for reaching out, William. The two copies you sent Jeff and I, thanks for that as well. This is this is a remarkable book from someone who really knows his Metallica. Just not lyrics, but the content of the book goes down as a diehard fan writing an amazing piece. Oh, well, you know, th- thank you, because I, I write it as a fan, uh, although I'm a, I'm a professor and scholar and that kind of thing, and I hope the book comes across as the kind of thing that that's written from the perspective oh, definitely. Uh, of a fan and not the sort of thing a professor would write to ruin Metallica for you. Oh, phen- phenomenal, William. What, what, what sparked all this? What, what made you dive into the project like this? Well, I mean, in one way or another, I've been writing it in my head since I'm about 14, going back to 1984. <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, it, it, it really took shape a few years back. Uh, when uh, I, I was writing uh, about uh, the, this book, Educated, by Tara Westover, she's uh, raised in a, in a Mormon fundamentalist family, and I'm, I'm quoting Metallica lyrics, and I'm thinking of Hetfield raised as a Christian scientist, and eventually it became more about uh, Hetfield and Metallica than it was what I was originally writing, and it, it just sort of took on a life of its own, where I'm associating one song with the next and uh, yeah, so it, it just grew uh, organically that way. And from what, we, uh, from what we understand, you've written another Metallica book as well. Yeah, going back a few years, maybe 2005, there was a book called Metallica and Philosophy. So uh, my, my day job, my uh, paying gig is, is to be a philosophy professor at a small college here in Pennsylvania, King's College. And uh, I've done a whole series of books uh, starting with Seinfeld in philosophy and the Simpsons in philosophy and the Matrix in philosophy. And uh, along the way, one of them was uh, Metallica and philosophy. And th- these are all collections of Amazing. essays by various philosophy professors. So I wrote one of the essays and was in charge of putting together the book on oh, Metallica and philosophy. Uh, but uh, that didn't uh, that didn't really 
get me all the way. I really needed to uh, have a book where where I looked at uh, the whole range of uh, Metallica and and all of their work. And uh, so I finally have gotten a chance to do that uh, with this new book, The Meaning of Metallica. Before I forget, William, you have to have at least one all-time favorite Simpsons character. Oh, uh, I mean... It, it changes and it changed you know, over time, right? It's kind of like a Metallica song. Your favorite changes like every day. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of a thing, right? With with, with music, but I mean, I'm I'm a Homer guy uh, at, at this point in my life. You know, I mean, of course, there are all the kinds of great, you know, minor characters, Grimes, and you know, some of those uh, characters, and of course, Flanders is just hilarious. But uh, yeah. Flanders spawned a whole band to be inspired to look by him. Is that or right? look like him? That's true. That's true. Yeah, there's a Ned Flanders metal band. <laughs> well, every time I think of Flanders, right? I think of the Leftorium. Yeah, nice. <laughs> remember that left-handed store? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and uh, what else was in there? Stoner's Pot Palace, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh God, it's great <laughs> memories. Isn't that the longest running show of all time? It, it probably is. It's the longest point. running cartoon for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who's watching it anymore. I haven't watched it in a long time, to be honest, but uh, somehow it keeps going. It seems like Simpsons and South Park will never go away. Yeah, yeah. So, Bill, you're a professor at a college in Pennsylvania. How how, how many times during the day or during the week does Metallica get brought up? <laughs> Not, not not all that much uh, dur- during my, uh, my my working hours. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know what, what what can I say? There aren't as many Metallica fans on the faculty as as I might like, and uh, not not every student uh, you know knows of my uh, my interests. So what can I say? I think I would have paid attention more in class, Jeff, if there was a class just called Talica One Hundred and One. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a little bit more intriguing. I bet I would have had perfect attendance to that kind of gig. Shane finally graduates with a perfect 4.0. A 4.0 in Metallica. Nice. Mondays is, uh, is I'm going to go through the subjects of the week. Monday, wah pedal. Tuesday, Tama drums. Wednesday, lyrics with Mr. William Irwin. Thursday, behind the scenes production. And Friday, pyrotechnics. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You I, get a whole curriculum. I think we're on to something here, William. The three of us could come up with our own Metallica course, charge millions in Bitcoin, and have record Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to put our heads together on that. Yeah. Jeff, we're going to be residents of Pennsylvania. Get ready. It might have to be for a lot of money because I always said if I'm going to move, I got to go somewhere where it's warm 24 7. Yeah, we're going to Shane uh, down there in, uh, in in Florida. That'd be the move. Yeah, we can just all relocate down there and. Come on down, boys. We got this. The university headquarters can be down in Florida. The U of M. <laughs> Bill, how long a Metallica fan? When did it all start for you? And do you have a memory that still remains from the early days? Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I go back to 1984, uh, release of, uh, ride the lightning. I'm hanging out with my, uh, my buddy, Joe, we're sort of Beavis and butthead before there's Beavis and butthead, I guess, you know, they're kind of young, uh, geeky, uh, Metallica fans. And, uh, he's a step ahead of me as he often is. And you know, he gets a copy of ride the lightning and makes me uh cassette tape of it as we did back in the day. And, 
you know, I play it through and uh, I'm sold, right? Because it's uh, it's heavier, it's faster. Uh, in a sense, it's also deeper uh, than most of the metal that's out there. You know, I'm uh, raised on the uh, Priest and Maiden and Ozzy and Sabbath, and uh, th- this is just going nice. to uh, to a new level. So that that's that's when I got into the uh, into the band. And well, I mean, for for a memory, uh, probably my my greatest Metallica memory uh, was getting uh, stuck uh, in the Meadowlands parking lot after seeing uh, Metallica open for Ozzy, and uh, the uh, wow. the guys popped out of the tour bus for a, a short time, uh, and I was no shit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, to to see them in person. After having just seen them on stage, I didn't get as close as I would have liked. I'm a little guy, you know, 16 at that point, and, you know, not not, not very big at my biggest. Uh, so I'm pushed out of the way into the back, maybe get 15 or 20 feet away. But uh, just the uh, the aura coming off of, uh, of Hetfield, just kind of looking angry and brooding like he looks on the back of the Master of Covet, uh, Puppets uh, album. Uh, sure. You know, just, just seared in my memory so if you're asking for a memory that's the one much of an interaction with them any chance to say hi to cliff or just kind of a sighting nothing but it's a sighting you know and that that's like a bigfoot sighting you get one of those you hold on to it so yeah absolutely right especially after an aussie date such an iconic iconic year in their history yeah it, it it was awesome i mean seeing them on stage at the at that point uh, dressed uh, as you know they did just like in uh, in fan clothes jeans and t-shirts and you know to see Cliff Burton headbanging on stage uh, was like seeing uh, human beings standing upright for the first time like in the chain of evolution you know I mean, it's like this is something else I, I've never heard that before a human standing that's 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 <laughs> monumental oh yeah and, and then some. Were you big into the lyrics back then, or just more of a music fan, or studying words, or no? They I, had more I, I meaning was, to you, right, right from the beginning. The, the lyrics were, were of, of bands have always been uh, important to me. I guess I'm uh, I'm very verbal, I'm, unlike you guys. Uh, I have no musical aptitude. Uh, you know, I, I can't keep time. I'm like Steve Martin and the Jerks, snapping my fingers trying to be in time and. <laughs> You know, I love that I, movie. Great movie. Oh, yeah. I was pouring a Didn't poor he... black child in the deep south, right? That's our Yes. Story. Yes. <laughs> I was born Didn't, a poor Didn't he name his dog child. Shithead? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he was looking for a special purpose. Yeah. Yes. And he found it, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mom, I found it. But before I move out, I'm going to need this ping pong paddle and these matches. And that's it. And then maybe, and he keeps going through. Next thing you know, it he's got the whole office with him. Oh, I love and it. And then ass-shaped hedges. Remember those? Yes. 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 Oh man. Got to get me some of Great those. Great memories. Control the ashtray, the power game, and the remote control. And that's all I need. 
Great yeah, but memories. I mean, uh, aside from from my goofy uh, side like like this, uh, I, I was always kind of serious and overly serious. Uh, and on a serious note, the uh, the song that first uh, struck me was "Fade to Black," uh, because I, you know I was dealing with some serious depression and anxiety and angst and all that kind of good stuff uh, that lots of uh, people go through, especially in uh, in teenage years. And, sure. uh, you know, I like to say that uh, Metallica introduced me to and gave me two things that a guy my age then is now needed, and that is poetry and therapy. Uh, you know, they, they were my therapy uh, in, in being able to identify with some of the darkness uh, in the lyrics and, and the angst and nonetheless the message of, of hope and perseverance. Uh, and, you know, I wasn't much for poetry out of the, uh, you know, the school book, but sure. uh, put it to music like that. And uh, I think as with a lot of people, people love uh, song lyrics, uh, even if they didn't like poetry class very much in school. So that that's sort of my start there. Well, I'd say you paid attention pretty well because chapters of Ride the Lyrics include religion, addiction, insanity and confusion, death, war, justice, freedom, isolation, control. And Jeff, you like this, the conclusion called This Search Goes On, <laughs> on and on. Yeah, yeah. Some love for St. Anger, right? Gotta have a little love for the St. Angry. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, as you suggest, uh, the, the book spans their, their whole career. Uh, you know, I discuss songs from, from every album. Uh, but it's not organized uh, sort of album by album or song by song. Uh, instead, as uh, Shane was mentioning, it, it runs thematically, right? So uh, I that's what I liked about it. I, I'm sorry. That's what I liked about it, Bill. I could tell you, you covered the whole 40 years. There was not really an organized, there wasn't a set list. There wasn't, you know, a chronological or anything. But, I mean, you, you touched it all and then some. And it may sound like it's jumping around, but when people read this thing, it's you, you didn't skip a beat. Well, there, there's a thread that, that runs through it, right? So as I said, mm -hmm. it's sort of developed organically. And certain songs uh, across different albums seem to speak to each other thematically, right? So the first chapter is dealing with religion, and I start with Creeping Death off Ride the Lightning, and then we're into Leper Messiah from Master of Puppets. Uh, and then as it gets more personal on the Black Album with The God That Failed. Uh, and so you can see some development uh, in, in Hetfield uh, as a writer and getting more comfortable uh, with being more personal and revealing more of himself uh, as career progresses. And uh, so some of the songs like Creeping Death right off the bat, I'm, I'm taking it line by line analysis. Other songs it's a quick sure. dip into and then back out to make a, a connection here or there. Uh, but, uh, you know, the best compliment that I've, uh, I've gotten about the book uh, was that uh, someone said it read like having a conversation with a friend. And, you know, if it comes across that way, uh, I'm doing all the talking, unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, it's not a, a true conversation. Uh, but also in the book, I make a point in the uh, introduction and the conclusion of giving my email address and my Twitter handle. And uh, honestly, I invite anybody who uh, who reads the book to get in touch with me. Uh, you could tell me what you like, but you could also tell me what I missed, what I got wrong, songs that I left out that I should have uh, put in there. Uh, I'm really uh, into the idea of having uh, ongoing conversations with people. 
He's opening up the idea for the hate train to come down his rails. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna yeah. derail from the Afro rail for a little bit and <laughs> go on over to to Bill's tracks. <laughs> yeah, Bill's hate yeah. train inbox. Well, I think you covered it all, Bill, from chapter one to chapter ten. <laughs> the creeping leper messiah that failed goes all the way to the struggle all within King Nothing. The way you worded all these chapters are just are just dynamite in the things you touched on and some of the things you didn't touch on. I have to be honest, there's chapters that I read twice because it was so well-written. Oh boy. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, so you're sort of alluding to uh, each chapter gets uh, a, a sort of theme title. And then I have a mashup title that gives you a sense of, uh, of what songs, some of the songs that'll be covered in there. Right. So like the creeping uh, leper Messiah that failed is the the title uh, a subtitle yeah, of the and chapter the, on you get religion. the chapter four talking about death now that we've faded to black under ice chapter six justice don't tread on America for revenge just awesome awesome work oh cool when you sat down and start what's your estimate of how many hours went into this or I should rephrase that. I'll edit that. How many hours goes into a project like this, whether you're writing about Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Metallica from start to finish? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's hard to calculate in uh, in some ways, right? Because in some ways, I've been thinking about this since I started listening to Metallica at age 14. And then in other ways, well, uh, you know, I wrote uh, for an hour or two every day about it for six months. And, and at that point, it doesn't sound uh, like all that much. Uh, but you know, what, one of the odd things that I did, uh, sort of in, in, in terms of digesting the songs for myself, uh, to write about this way, uh, I've heard you guys talk before, uh, about, uh, listener fatigue. I think Ross Halfin maybe uh, coined that phrase, right? Yes, he so did. you guys know from being super fans and from playing in a, in a tribute band, you've heard some of these songs so many times, uh, that no matter how great some of them are, you, you can't really, uh, you know, get into the idea of hearing it yet again. And the last thing I wanted to do was, was sort of ruin uh, you know, ruin Metallica for myself just for the sake of uh, of writing a, a book. So what what I did was I I, I learned the songs to sing them, uh, and I'm no better a singer than I am, uh, you know, a finger snapper. Quite frankly, I can't carry a tune. Uh, so I, I kept it mostly to myself in the shower, walking the dog, singing it in my head. Uh, but uh, great but places this, to jam out. Yeah, yeah. So this way, in a sense, you know, I, I really uh, would kind of reverse engineer the songs a little bit. Uh, being someone who's not a musician, uh, I can't uh, understand the way that you guys can get inside a song. You really appreciate nuances of it when you learn to play it uh, on your instrument. And uh, the same I found, you know, went for uh, really learning and memorizing the songs so that I could, uh, you know, I could sing them. I got a sense of, you know, why uh, a song took the shape it did, why a word choice worked here uh, and wouldn't have worked there. Sure. That's why I like on the meaning of Metallica, right? The lyrics on the back of your description, the meaning of Metallica is like a riveting conversation with a close friend, a tour that traces Hetfield's lyrical development across the decades. This companion examines everything from deep cuts like confusion to mega hits like Enter Sandman, like you said, listener fatigues, but we just can't ignore the the megatune that made it all happen for them. 
That's right. I mean, Jeff, I, when you I can, but <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Jeff, tell me a song that has changed for you over the years when you think of the lyrics and the meaning or what the song means to your own meaning. Like growing up hearing one of their big songs, what does it mean to you now? What's one of the songs that you've totally got a, a different well, attitude or or you think it means something different now? Definitely Fade to Black, probably because that was, you know, initially what really got me into okay. Metallica. And at the age that I was when I got into it, I didn't really understand the, you know, magnitude of the the burden that that song carries, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's obviously lyrically and even musically, it's a very draining emotional song in a very good way. And over the years, and especially even, you know, playing it dozens and dozens of times live, just really getting into it. I feel like that song it's come full circle. Not only is the song that got me into them, but the song that I feel really, I don't know, brings me closer to Metallica. If that makes sense. Well said. Isn't that the first song you learned to play on guitar? I was the first solo. uh, As far as like the intro solo, that was like the first solo I learned note for note on guitar was fade to black. Yeah. So when you're playing fade, are you thinking about learning that solo or are you thinking about a little deeper meaning of the song? It depends. It's it's honestly, it depends on what gig we're playing. You know, if I'm having a great time, we have a great crowd and we're just, you know, firing on all cylinders. When I go into that solo, you know, I'm imagining I'm on stage with the boys playing it. You know what I mean? Sure do. But there's obviously, we, we've had shows that are smaller, a little bit more intimate setting where you feel like you're... You're not necessarily, it's not that we don't put a hundred percent into it, but you're, you're a little bit more in your own head because you're not, you know, you're not putting on this mega rock show. So then it gives you more time to reflect, more time to think about it. So I I guess it really depends on the show. Bill, as you wrote this book, did, did songs change for you personally from start to finish just writing? Well, that, that's an interesting question. Uh, one of the things uh, that I sort of discovered that I hadn't realized before, uh, that there's coverage of the, the, the whole uh, Unforgiven trilogy, uh, and, and something I hadn't realized before, though I'd listened to the song you know hundreds of times, I'm sure, is that uh, in The Unforgiven 2, by the end, uh, he ends up killing the girl, uh, or at least imagines uh, killing her. Uh, and And that really... Uh, made me think about the whole thing uh, again, particularly if you're going to take the the narrator uh, of the Unforgiven Two to be a continuation of the first Unforgiven and potentially the third. And uh, there, there's real subtlety uh, in the lyrics, right? Because it's not uh, some sort of splatter uh, killing; it's just really, really uh, gently hinted at. And now you're, you know. Our eyes are closed, right? Dead sure she'll be there. She'll never love again. I mean, uh, I just hadn't paid en- enough attention to it. Uh, I mean, when, when it first came out, I guess uh, it didn't strike me as a worthy successor uh, to the uh, to the original. Uh, now, now you know, I really think that there's something to there. And, and it's got, 
one of the classic uh, lines of Hetfield poetry uh, of uh, Blackheart uh, scarring darker still, which uh, I think he's actually got inscribed on one of his guitars too. Man, we're going deep. I love this shit. <laughs> and with one of the greatest songs ever, you know, Unforgiven 2, we've said it many times on this podcast, you know, we'll argue it all day that that's, that's the best one out of the trilogy. By far. I'm not saying it's necessarily the most iconic, but definitely on a whole, the best one out of the three. Overall. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, I, I won't argue with you there. I don't necessarily... Uh, agree, but I but I certainly won't won't argue. I'm glad to to connect with you guys on that. I mean, uh, connecting with uh, with Jeff on both uh, Fade to Black and uh, Unforgiven too. I feel like we're we're uh, bonding brothers uh, already. We're onto something here. If <laughs> you guys ever listened to a new song on the radio, figured out the lyrics, and then the music video, the music video totally changes your view on the whole tune. That's the turn the page music video for anybody who didn't <laughs> hear that song as that's, the original. That's a good but, point. But think about it. I mean, but that song is about Bob Seger being out on the road. On the road, not the strip club. Not the strip club, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not at the clubhouse. <laughs> that's a great point. I never think of page, but I think of, you know, the the unforgivens, the the until it sleeps kind of things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, this thing had a totally different when you hear the single come out and you think you know what it's about and you can picture it and then the video comes out, a great example, All Nightmare Long, the video came out. It's like, what in the hell is that? That video is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, it takes a whole it takes a whole to... new world and twists it into a whole new vision of what you never even thought about. Right. And sometimes for better and sometimes for worse, right? And and the videos are often Very true. sort of interpretations of uh, of of what's going on in the song. I mean, you, you guys uh, have some real insight in, into this as uh, as musicians and people who do. Uh, I mean, I haven't had the chance to see you guys perform live yet, but I assume you do largely faithful uh, versions of the original, right? Uh, and so that there is a video that that could uh, match the original uh, intent of the of the song, and then there is like doing some version of the song you might hear uh you know on whatever the what, what would they what do they call that the black uh album project whatever the blacklist the blacklist that's yeah where it's about. where it's an actual cover you know versus just doing you know the tribute to the song yeah yeah it's a rendering and in many cases a total change right so i, I was actually don't, thinking don't worry bill when you come and see us, we will not play the Kamasi Washington version of My Friend of Misery. That's a great version. I'm Negative. gonna play I'm gonna play it through the PA for our house song before Ecstasy plays. Negative. I'm giving Kamasi a shout out. All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, but I mean that 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 issue of interpretation is something that, that I had in mind working throughout the, the book as well, right? Uh, I, I, I don't have direct access uh, to James Hetfield uh, and you know he lets some things go in uh, in interviews occasionally, but he's pretty close to the vest. Uh, but what I wanted to do was be as faithful as I could uh, to the text uh, and to what it seems like uh, he's trying to do uh, with the song, while at the same time leaving it open to the listener. And so, in a way, you know, it's analogous to what you guys are doing uh, in a tribute band, where you're trying 
to be faithful. Absolutely. It's a good way of putting it. Well, don't say anything, Bill. We're having James on next week. So after his episode airs, we'll give him your contact information and then we'll it'll be a full circle and we'll be all set. Ooh, Around here we good. call him we call him Jim. Jim, he likes to go by Jim. Yeah. Code word yeah. code word Jim. Code word Jim. Don't tell anybody, but yeah. I mean, I, I would love to interview him as I know you guys would. And, and I had reached out uh, to the Metallica camp uh, when working on the book. And, you know, they were polite and professional and, and all of that. But the answer was no. And, you know, I, I can I, imagine accept that. You're now, like if we James, can, we've oh, got sorry. questions about tattoos and hunting and then he'd be there. Exactly. I was just about to say, if you if you talk about bees or, oh, or, or shooting guns, uh, reference. There you go. Yes, that, that was a terrible, terrible interview. On, on I don't think it was a terrible interview, but considering how <laughs> deep Rogan usually gets with people, I thought that he would get more out of James than just talking about bees. And it seemed it was like just James about what Rogan found interesting. It wasn't, you know, exactly. what is interesting about Hetfield. But I have a feeling that's what Hetfield probably loved about it. He was like, dude, I just get to talk about the shit that I really am passionate about, which most people probably don't care. They're like, I want to know about James and Metallica and and your cars and anything that has been in the public eye where his his B collection. I mean, shit, unless you're a Rogan listener, which is only about. 50 million people out there listen to him but (laughs) can't you picture james showing up to that going okay we're gonna talk about bees and colorado and that's it and that's it and he was probably down to (laughs) exactly and he was probably like that's completely fine and getting my own meat for my family off my own land and that's all we're gonna chat about and hit record and go three hours later well i i I would rather hear you guys listen to uh interview him quite frankly but We'll, 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 we'll invite you when the out. when the day comes, Bill. How's that sound? All right. Very good. The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics. Tell us where we can get this. Hard copy, digital, website. What do you got, Bill? Yeah, uh, all of the above. Uh, get it wherever fine books are sold or crappy books are sold. And where any books are sold. There's a, a big giant website you might have heard of called Amazon. They've got it in stock. Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Uh, maybe your local bookstore, I can hope if there's still a bookstore and a record store in your town, you know, digital copy. The Bob Signal can stop into uh, Half Price Books. I'm sure they have it. Oh, for sure. Go for it. There we go. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. How about that little Apple iBooks, iTunes store? Do they have it? You'll find it there too. Yeah. Kindle, the little Kindle store too. You got the Kindle, you got the iBooks, all that Perfect. jazz. And for the low, low price of $5,400, you can get an <laughs> autographed copy from Bill personally. <laughs> Goes down in value immediately, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, no. Not at yeah. all, Bill. Well, Bill, it sounds like you've listened to a few episodes of him podcast for all. We appreciate that more than you know. Definitely have. Jeff and I have made a top five list of our favorite lyrics over the 40 years. Oh, wow. Let's hear so it. I'd like to I'd like to dive into that a little bit. If you want to throw your top five in here, totally off the cuff, unedited, uh, you're more than welcome. You guys want to start, and uh, and I, I'll add mine then, or yeah, absolutely, we can Sounds edit good. that in. Sounds good. Jeff, remember when we used to used to play a little trivia called Name That Lyric Line? I do. This I might think... be down that kind of avenue. 
we might have to uh, throw a couple bills away and, and see how sharp his lyrical knowledge is. Uh-huh. I, I can almost right, guarantee it it's a lot better than mine is. <laughs> I think Bill's a lyric knowledge after writing a dynamite book of the meaning of Metallica, write the lyrics will blow you and I out of the water. I know Metallica very well, but I'll admit still to this day, I am not the greatest when it comes to lyrics. I don't know. It still stumps me. When can we get to the section called drum fills? <laughs> at name the same, that drum fill. <laughs> at the same part where we go name that lick. Just a little part of a solo, a little two-second clip. Jeff's will be called name that wah solo. And Jeff's wah. Will be called name that uh, millisecond drum fill. My sound effect will be wah, wah, wah. I'm going to start things off. These are my top five... Obviously, top five songs, but I'm going to give you the lyric line from them that stands out to me the most. And when I made this list, I judged it off of when that lyric part of the song comes on, I catch myself saying it out loud every time. So just to clarify, because I heard you say top songs as well. This is not your top five favorite Metallica songs of all time, but just lyrics. Okay, just making sure I didn't know if you had picked a line from your top five. I was just trying to clarify it. I have picked my favorite line that I always catch myself, whether it's on stage, it's sitting by the pool, it's driving in the car, it's sitting in the back of an airplane with my headphones on. Just one of those things that I just have to say it out loud because it's that catchy. I love it. Or maybe it means a lot to me. Sounds good. Dear mother, dear father, you've clipped my wings before I learned to fly. Never heard that one. (laughs) It's your favorite Kirk solo, dude. Absolutely. There's something about those words. Dyer's Eve, I think, could mean 30 different things to 30 different people. Mm -hmm. But uh, very sincere to his parents and a lot of issues going on there. But something about clip my wings before I learn to fly. It, it, It speaks volumes of what he's saying there. 100 and Dyer's Eve isn't my favorite song. It's it's way up there. It's obviously one of, you know, probably in my top 20 of all time. The cool thing with that song is that at that point in Hetfield's career, he hadn't really, you know, dove deep into his personal yet. You know, so that's the first one where I feel like we really get to see, all right, there's there's a human behind this, you know, angry guy that's yelling on stage. That's a good point, especially with the, what is this hell you've put me through? Every thought I think you disapprove. What else is there? Uh, it's, it's heavy. And I don't literally Deceiver, mean like. Deceiver, I love in that one. In that one. Yeah, so they, be, yeah the exactly. Parents are both believers in something and yet deceivers at the same time. A bit of a. Absolutely. A and then on the funny part of that, I think of my parents supporting my aviation flying career. Mom, Dad, you clip my wings before I learn to fly. <laughs> Not in your case. It's one of those lines where there, it could mean five different things and you just have to say it out loud because it, it kind of hits home. For sure. Dear mother, dear father. Song number two, unless you want to go and we want to alternate here, Jeff. I say, why don't you go through yours and then I'll go through mine and... Okay. We'll give, we'll give Bill a shot. I'm sure he'll just will top ours. <laughs> this is one of those lines that it just sounds cool. It sounds badass. It sounds 
masculine. It sounds like no matter what, you cannot mess with me. Barking of machine gun fire does nothing to me now. Sounding of the clock that ticks, get used to it somehow. A song that you just love playing live. I don't like playing disposable. I know you it's don't. Long, it's repetitive. There's some fills in there that I try to play the album version of, and they're not easy. But every time, barking of machine gun fire. In that part of the song, I say it out loud when we're playing it. It's just that line that sticks out to you. That's like, "Yep, this is it. We're fucking. We're doing this." It's just like you're part of an army, and you're off to take on the world. And when you say that out loud, it's like. How are you going to mess with me after that kind of line? Very true. It's a good one. Next one might surprise you. And it's multiple parts. I'm already surprised. Of what I've picked? Yeah, you haven't even said it, and I'm already surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were surprised by Dyer's Indisposable. (laughs) It's hard to tell who he's addressing this to or what it means, but there's multiple verses in the house that Jack built. Oh. I I like where you uh, went there. That have a lot of meaning to me, and I don't think you'd ever know what he means, and that's what's special about it. Love that Everything from the... Everything from the open door to the open my eyes, don't want control. The higher you are, the farther you fall, the longer the walk, the farther you crawl. And then he gets into the body, my temple stuff. Mm -hmm. That stuff there is, that's some heavy, heavy meaning. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of self-reflection there, I think, on on the subject of of addiction, right? And this is before he uh, really makes a a stab at getting sober, but there's some realization I mean, the house that Jack built easily taken as Jack Daniels or something like that. And, you know, the the uh, the whole cycle uh, of uh, what goes on in, in the sort of vicious cycle when, when you're you're caught up in an addiction. I think you see that in that song. And it's a kind of a nesting song. Uh, you know, the original uh, ch- children's story is a nesting story in the Aretha Franklin version of the, the house that Jack is a nesting and in this case it's kind of uh more of a trap than than a nest everything you just said bill answered my questions from the last 25 years that was phenomenal (laughs) he's like i finally understand the song now you just said three things that the light bulb went off and i'm like that's exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie until you just said it about the house that Jack Daniels built. It never occurred to me. I always wondered. I never even thought of JD. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Oh, I was always curious. What, what was the fascination with Jack? So now real quick before I forget, since that answers that, was, that question. That was amazing. Thank you. Since that answers that question about Jack, we got to move on real quick to Ronnie. why did they name a song ronnie and who is it about because you know i'm always gonna go off the fact that only only bill has this answer you know i want to i want to assume it's about ron mcgovney just for the simple fact that that's funny (laughs) (laughs) i I, i'll I'll plead ignorance on this one ronnie is a song that doesn't make it into the book and and i haven't given uh maybe ample thought to well part part two Featuring Ronnie Law. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so, so hit me up on Twitter or whatever and tell me what a cosmic mistake it was not to have an extended discussion <laughs> of Ronnie in the book. Ride the Lyrics Part 2 with the foreword by Jeff Winslow. Yeah, what, what about Ron? <laughs> Close my eyes, find my place to hide. Strong. Very good. Our Dyer's Disposable House. Number four is a song, Jeff, that you and I have played over, God, 300 times. Exit Light. Nope. We've played that over 600 times, and that's (laughs) not on my list tonight. (laughs) That's next week's list. This one is very hard not to say out loud, no matter what you are doing. Drink up, shoot in, let the beatings begin. Distributor of pain, your loss becomes my gain. Probably Mm -hmm. one of the strongest verses ever. There is so much going on in those five lines that could go 50 different directions. And it's got a crazy, just sludgy heaviness behind it. So when you listen to it, you just want to, you want to march with it. Are you actually drinking? Are you actually shooting up? Who are you beating up? What's your loss? There's a lot going on in five simple lines there. Yeah. Oh, it's and, brutal. and it's dark. Dark and brutal. Oh, it's it's angry, dark, brutal, death, addiction, running, going, coming. That could be anything. Yeah. My fifth song has to do with something I laugh at every time I hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I love playing this song live. I love when Metallica plays this song live. Circus comes to town. You play the lead clown. That's not, I I didn't, I didn't expect a little Messiah in there. A little leper action. It's just, it fits in. It's so smooth how that comes out when he sings that but that's one of those things that like, I have to smirk and smile when I say that the way that rhymes and you're thinking of a freaking circus clown epic yeah I, I love that it's ambiguous as to who the clown is uh, uh, in that part of the song too right is it is it the preacher who's being clownish 
uh, or is it the person who's following uh, the preacher? Exactly, uh, Bill. And, and so is the sucker, the, the dupe, the clown in, in that way. And there's a lot of that sort of ambiguity in different parts of that song that really is well-crafted. Talking about a televan- uh, televangelist. I can never say that word to save my life. Yeah. Hey, you did just fine. Better than... Take two. Better than pronouncing Zaria's name. <laughs> Zaria. 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 Yeah, they were really ahead of the game with that song too, right? I mean, it's it's years later that you it's get true. like Ozzy's Miracle Man. Miracle Man. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. It, it was before a lot of the big scandals hit with Baker and, mm. uh, and and those guys. And But I mean, anybody watching, you know, televangelists or just flipping through the, the channels back then, you know, mm-hmm. you saw it and it was disturbing and gross and it, and it just fit with a lot of what was wrong with America at the time. And for all you on podcast for all listeners, you know that Jeff loves to have an honorable mention. So I had to go down the Avenue of Jeff Winslow and have a sixth pick honorable mention that just, just didn't make the cut. I had to put leper above this just came up a few credits short, a few, <laughs> <laughs> Just like the curse, just like the stray, you feed it once and now it stays. Just like the curse, just like the stray. You feed it once and now it stays. Until it sleeps. I'm proud of you for picking picking a So tell a me deep why song. you've chosen me. Don't want your grip, don't want your greed don't want it and then of course the whole tear me open make you gone no more can you hurt anyone and the fear still shakes me it's interesting deep stuff it's interesting that that's the section you picked and we'll 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 talk about that at some point here but that's that's interesting because it's a very very deep very dark personal well the whole song is tearing me open things inside the dirt still stains me very powerful so wash me until i'm clean that's a great pick yep great song great lyrics there's there's my five plus one dyer's disposable house harvest leper and sleeps that's a hell of a list that went along with the theme of anytime i hear them and you're around me, you will hear me say those out loud. My well, list. Was... Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Bill. You want me to go? Uh, but so I, I just scribbled this uh, down as I was as I was listening to Shane. I hadn't really prepared. I, I guess I should have figured you would ask me something like this. Uh, and, and well, when you have an author on and podcast for all that sold over a million copies, I like putting them on the spot and seeing yeah, what you can yeah, come yeah. up no, with no, in four totally minutes. Cool. <laughs> Bill went uh, platinum, pretty much. But the uh, the songs that that I chose uh, were ones where there's a sort of standout poetic kind of line that I really like, and uh, cool. I guess I sort of got on that mindset because we were talking before about uh, 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 Blackheart scarring darker still, right? That's just kind of a great image that from Un- Unforgiven too. So. Uh, some of the lines uh, that came to mind, and, and these fit with, with songs that do have great lyrics overall. Uh, I love the line, whisper things into my brain, right, from uh, Sanitarium. Uh, nice. Just, 
really encapsulates the whole idea of what's going on lyrically in that song where people are trying to uh, make you think you're crazy or make you think that you're something uh, that you're not and, and sort of influencing you and trying to fight back against that, right? And, uh, it, you know, it just speaks to the way in which, you know, all kinds of things, media and whatever else can uh, whisper into our brain. Yeah. Whisper things into my brain, assuring me that I'm insane. Think I Especially this day and age, that's well said. And the, you know, and the, the, the imagery, I mean, you know, Hetfield has a great way of turning a phrase sometimes, or I mean, it's supposed to be whisper into your ear, but it's whisper it into your brain. So it's like almost bypassing the ear, right? You're not even uh, aware uh, that it's going on, maybe. <laughs> you've, you've made me think so much in these 45 minutes, Bill. It's unbelievable. <laughs> now I'm, now I'm going to go to bed tonight listening to Sanitarium. Oh, it, it's a great one, right? So let, let's see. I like when I'm I like when I'm learning things during an episode, and I feel like I've learned ten things in forty minutes here. Wow, you're very kind. Anyway, I wish I had students who are learning things. That's that's a little much to ask. Uh, so another <laughs> well, shield is your student today. They didn't <laughs> sign up for Metallica 101. They're not paying that much attention. I'm just front and center, taking notes and excited and engaged. And uh, this is amazing. Awesome. So uh, the, the second one that, that came to mind, I jotted down here, so these are in no particular order, uh, is Confess All to the Rain from uh, Low Man's Lyric, Reload. Yes, uh, nice. It's a song that I love all, all the way through. It gets some close treatment in the book and the, the addiction uh, section. And, and, and that line... Uh, for me, was sort of a key for thinking about uh, Hetfield uh, to the extent that he reveals himself personally or not uh, in his song. So in, in the midst of the song, right, uh, you have like this uh, addict uh, in uh, a decaying urban setting, like by a trash fire. Uh, and even the homeless people are fleeing because it's raining out at this point. And it's there and then uh, that he speaks his truth out loud uh, about who and what he is, uh, but nobody can hear him. Uh, and it's a very human form of confession where sometimes, uh, you know, it's good for the soul, as they say, to confess, but we get it out in a way where we think maybe people won't actually hear it or understand it, uh, but we still, uh, you know, put it out there. Like sometimes on social media back in, you know, Facebooking, they would call it vague booking, and there are whole websites where people can anonymously confess and post things, right? Sure. Uh, and and I, I think Hetfield at this point uh, in that song, right, this is before he's seeking treatment for, uh, for his alcohol issues, uh, is in some way confessing all to the rain himself by using this song uh, and the, uh, the character uh, of an addict uh, to be voicing his own concerns about himself. Uh, and his own uh, addiction issues. But Bill, you forgot about your dog that's on the back step. <laughs> that's we're, it. We're, 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 on that the, we're on the same page here, Bill, because I, I don't have Lomans in my top five, but that was, so for my number five, it was between the song that I picked and Lomans, and I was going back and forth between the two. So Lomans almost made it. because Lomans it's love. Yeah, there's, awesome. some, there's some really good, there's some good stuff in that song. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Including the dog in the back step and, and uh, you know, the, the, the dog, right. is not like this kind of, uh, you know, how the dog wants to come dog. in from the rain. Yeah. is a rain dog, right. It comes in, gets dried and is back out again. Right. I mean, and that's, that's the cycle of addiction. Uh, kind of get away from it for a short time uh, and think maybe you're okay. And oh, I could try it again. Right. I can uh, touch the hot stove again and back out. And the dog image recurs uh, later on St. Anger in, uh, in Sweet Amber, where, you know, uh, chase the stick, roll me over till I'm sick and, and all of that. That's uh, true. Yeah, good point. So, some, you know, some of these songs cross over. So what do I, I got two there, right? Uh, so I'll, I'll go to uh, Fade to Black, uh, you know, my, my initial exposure to the band and still in many ways my favorite. Uh, and just to pick a, a line out of that, uh, I was me, but now he's gone. Uh, and man, yes. Hetfield supposedly wrote that uh, after equipment was uh, stolen and he was down and that kind of thing, but not from a place of actual clinical depression. Uh, but he, and I, I speak as somebody who has dealt with clinical depression, uh, he gets inside the mind uh of somebody uh who is experiencing those depths and and the profundity of the insight that i was me but now he's gone right the the person i was i can't even find uh it's just incredible and that's just Mm -hmm. you know one of the lines among many that that really resonates particularly for anybody who's ever uh been in those depths personally Another great sort of poetic line, and these are the ones that I'm grabbing onto, not necessarily my five favorite lyrics, uh, five favorite songs lyrically, but these are uh, lines that are jumping out at me. Uh, and this is, a, this is a fan favorite, I think, that the healing hand held back by the deepened nail uh, on uh, uh, the God that failed, right? Uh, that description heavy uh of 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 the crucifixion is just incredible i mean and you talk about a subject that's been treated in uh, art and literature uh for what 2000 uh plus years at this point uh to say something in an original way about that and to put it in the context of a song uh, where you're drawing uh, criticism and, and doubt about the healing power. Uh, just, just incredible. James has a really good way of, you know, visual, visual representation within songs. He really knows how to paint a picture with his lyrics to make you you know, visualize it in your own head. And it's, it's, it's truly amazing. I, I feel like throughout the course of rock and roll history, James is kind of an underrated lyricist. He, I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, he obviously gets plenty of credit for, <clears throat> you know, having the, the almighty metal voice or being one of the best rhythm guitar players, riff Lord down picker, whatever you want to call it. But as an actual lyricist, highly, highly underrated. Oh, well, I couldn't agree more, obviously. And uh, I mean, it, it's part of the, the sort of uh, prejudice against metal in, in general, right? It's been seen as 
uh, anti-intellectual music. And uh, I mean, we still can't get respect from places like, you know, uh, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and those sort of joke institutions uh, where I mean, uh, True. It, it's just not given proper credit. If he were a folk singer and, and writing the same lyrics, right, he'd be the next Bob Dylan uh, or whatever. But people just don't realize. True. So, you know, that's part of what the, the mission I'm on with this book is to give uh, those lyrics the serious treatment that they really deserve. So what, where, where am I now? Oh, I've got one for you uh, from a song. I know you guys, uh, you guys like, uh, can you heal what father's done or fix this hole in a mother's son uh, from Fixer? Nice. Right. Another great song. That was up there for uh, me as well. Yeah, right. And you guys are uh, fixing to play that uh, yourselves live sometime, I gather, right? <laughs> he has been paying attention, Jeff. We oh, gotta, we are. We got we to get to rehearsing that. Yeah, yeah we're, we're still planning on doing that. Yeah, that's where I'm going to hear that one. I thought people had forgot about that. No. Three X's for the stone, baby. So, I mean, and Fix is a great song, uh, you know, obviously in, in many levels, but lyrically, right, uh, it, it could have just been a song about voodoo dolls and you'd have something like Ozzy's uh, Little Dolls or something like that. But to play back and forth with the imagery of uh, of the needles and addiction and, uh, yes. and then to move into the issues of fate and free will with the voodoo dolls, I mean, just the whole stew of that is is amazing. I like your five there, Bill. You you spanned quite the decades there. Sanitarium, Low Man's Lyric, Fade to Black, God That Failed, and Get Old Fixer. Some very heavy, deep lyrics you picked. When we have Bill back for part two, it's going to be about a 10-hour episode. And I'm going to ask though, him. Right? Exactly. Yeah, Ronnie yeah. And, and Fuel and I Disappear and we're going to spend 10 hours straight. I'm going to ask you about every song and we're not even going to edit it. It's just going to be All what right. it is. I'm game. <laughs> Jeff, I did not have any sane anger. Mr. Irwin did not have any sane anger. Something tells me we are going to get the angry red fist in one of your lyric lines. You know, I would keep the suspense going, but I'm just going to let you know right now there's no sane angry. Really? Nothing goes past reload on my list. Wow, that surprises me. I love St. Anger, but I'm not going to lie. The lyrics are not the greatest. And people are going to be like, well, duh, that's what we've been saying the whole time. The whole album is just... But How can frantic tick, 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 tock not be in your top five? It's really ingenious, but just not just not quite there. Shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. That's number one. That's number one. Uh invisible kid. That's number two. Just the words invisible okay. kid. <laughs> All right. I will say this has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. My favorite lyric on that whole record is when he's whispering, not only do I not have the answer. Not only do I not know the answer. What'd I say? have the answer close enough oh, sorry shows you're, you how well i know that record hey, you're you're only <laughs> one word off i'll not give you a pass only do i not know the answer i don't even know what the question is <laughs> no saint anger from jeff winslow this is a first 
This is a first on one on of my a podcast for all after 102 weeks in a row. Let's hear it, dude. All right, number one it might come as a surprise to you, but this one exit light. <laughs> it's just as it's just as popular as that song. I'll tell you what? that. Wow, it's the 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 imagery and the way that every time I've heard this since I was a kid, I always pictured it, and I was so fascinated with wanting to see this movie. Because one obviously has some pretty crazy lyrics and it's the landmine has taken my sight, taken my speech, taken my hearing, taken my arms, taken my legs, taken my soul, left me with life in hell. Wow. That line, every time I hear it, I, I picture this stump of a man just trapped inside his own head trying to escape. And it it's it's almost an uncomforting feeling to think about it. Sure. But that's part of what makes that song really great is because leading up to it, you know, you got this ballady kind of song and the lyrics are still pretty dark. But then you get to that and it's like, holy shit, we just dropped the bombshell. No pun intended. And this dude is basically he's a, he's a shell of a man. That, that's all that's that's all that's left. And it's always stuck with me. I love when he breaks in with darkness imprisoning me. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you guys have you guys heard the the, the uh, sort of comparison with uh, the song uh, "Darkness Descends" uh, by Dark Angel? So no, d- dark Dark no. Angel, right? It was sort of like peers of uh, of Slayer and the uh, the thrash oh, yeah. uh, LA scene, right? Maybe. I, the drummer, I can't read Gene somebody, Gene Hogan, maybe. Is that Gene Hoagland? Yeah, yeah, Gene Hoagland. He was the drummer, right? Mm. Uh and if if you if it's somewhere on the internet you can you can hear the two of them juxtaposed. The drum riff seems taken right out of that. Uh and uh even the part where uh James I is think barking, I... darkness imprisoning me. I remember a few years ago that whole kind of argument resurfaced on the internet. I, I think I saw it on Facebook, you know, Metal Injection or Blabbermouth, uh-huh. whatever. One of them posted it and it had the side by side comparison. I can kind of see to a certain extent, you know, but I mean, yeah, on. I mean, I, I think it's probably one of those cases where, <laughs> where there's it's unconscious borrowing. It's not right. plagiarism. It's not like a huge deal or anything. But I think clearly they had heard the song and it's in the back of your head and it comes out. You don't see ACDC suing every rock band because they did a 4-4 drum beat. Uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Jesus. Right. So true. <laughs> but you know, it's literally what it is. It's a drum beat. Come on, let it go. Yeah. yeah. Number one from Jeff's list, one. Number one. I'm yeah. surprised. Jeff's not a big one fan, so cool, cool pick, dude. For me and yeah, how I feel about usually playing that song live, it's definitely definitely I, not one aware. that I would have picked. But it's got great great lyrics. All right, number two, the next two, this kind of plays into my adolescence and just thinking that dark, heavy lyrics, you know, heavy metal lyrics. And when I put this list together, you know, I, I found out earlier in the day today that we were doing this. And I'm not going to lie. I was busy at work. I kind of forgot about it. I got home and probably about half an hour, 40 minutes before we did this podcast. I'm like, oh, I got to put this list together. And I thought it was going to be you really slacker. You, you would have failed Mr. Irwin's course. I thought, I thought that it actually worked out well to go off the top of my head because I 
picked the ones well, that true. stood out the most to me instead of really just going, all right, could it be this one? Could it be this one? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the ones that are just that, that are iconic to me or that, that I remember. Number two, drain you of your sanity, face the thing that should not be that wow. line. It's like, I imagine the fucking Loch Ness monster coming out <laughs> of a lake and like grabbing you or something, you know, it's just dark and nasty just the and way you said that, I was like, ooh, just hearing that, that could be in my top five now. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily have any kind of meaning per se, other than just being a badass heavy metal lyric. True. And the next one is the same type of same type of situation fight fire with fire soon to fill our lungs the hot winds of death the gods are laughs the gods are laughing so take your last breath (laughs) but just thinking about that too it's kind of the same situation with the thing that should not be true you know this this song it's heavy it's it's you got this especially on the record version you can hear the the thunderous laugh in the background Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm and it's eerie and I love it. (laughs) So I had to, I had to play into that a little bit, you know, just taking the emotional tie out of it and just going for pure heavy metal. great way to make a list is right off of what's on your head at that exact moment and of course the ones that you know come to mind first are probably the ones that you think about the most or that you know are the most quote-unquote iconic in your mind true uh the next two is definitely more on like the personal level of the lyric side and theme here it's funny because you said until it sleeps. I have until it sleeps on here as well, but I picked Whoa. a different. I picked a different area of the song. That's why when I said it's interesting that you picked that area. Wow. Because I picked the so tear me open, pour me out. There's things inside that scream and shout, and the pain still hates me. So hold me until it sleeps. The first chorus. Gotcha. To me, that is the best one out of all of them. The there's things inside that scream and shout. As someone who you know, I've dealt with depression and anxiety in my life as well. You know, sometimes you just, you have this, this inner voice or this, I don't even want to necessarily call it a demon, but just this inner something that wants to get out. And that line, it always really, really spoke to me. Jeff's depressed every time he sees a bread fan at the top of the <laughs> Damn it, Shane. Now I'm in this rut all because of your set list yep. writing. No, I, I can't. You. I can't play the show. Just go. Right, out. Just go right into fade to black right after bread fan. I'm just going to go pouting. <laughs> bread fan to fade to until it sleeps. Good night. <laughs> so The last one still staying in the load reload era. Cause let's face it lyrically. That's probably the best era. 
I, I don't know if I can I, think I of think any it's other the best era that... and the worst, actually. I mean, you've got songs on there. You know, I don't want to hate on songs, but I mean, Two by Four, Ain't My Bitch, Fuel. I mean, these sure, are songs sure. that are yep. really weak lyrically, uh, even if musically they, they've got a great vibe. And then, and then on the other side, right, you have uh, Fixer and Low Man's lyric. And, but that's uh, the and thing: so the sweet. ones that shine shine oh. so bright. Absolutely. You're putting two by four aside because you have bleeding me and outlaw torn and mama said, and you're like, Holy shit. We just, we just went from having a thrash metal band to having a fucking lyrical genius, a a, a poet in a metal band. Who would have ever thought? Come on guys. Two by four. We're talking about wood. (laughs) Yeah. He he got wood when he heard that song. (laughs) He was in Oh, don't quote me on this. I think it's Donington when they debut two by four. He actually says that to the crowd. Yeah, this is a song about wood. Oh, a song about wood. It's actually that James is from the future and he foresaw this future where lumber was going to be really expensive <laughs> he was looking into 2022 with the two by fours <laughs> that's why he says i'm talking two by four a lot of twos my last one unforgiven two lay beside me tell me what they've done speak the words i want to hear to make my demons run the that's door big, is locked yes. now but it's open if you're true if you can understand the me then i can understand the you that whole verse there speaks to me more than any verse in that in that song it's just there's something about the way it flows the melody line the lyrics it's everything that that one for me it's like the complete package it's not just the lyrics themselves it's everything that's going along with that song it just works and you know we were talking about unforgiven too earlier obviously i spoke on how i think that's the best one it's definitely the deepest one deepest sure. meaning and That's one of those songs that even though it does have, it has a meaning, it has a story as you were explaining to us earlier, Bill, about the trilogy. But to me, that, especially that first verse, like Shane was talking about some of the lyrics he he was, you know, saying earlier, they, they have many different meanings, no matter what side you look at it. And to me, that one is one where you can really, it can apply to anything depending on how you want to spin it. Yeah, no, that's true, right? I mean, it, it may be specifically kind of a, a love song, or uh, mm-hmm. but 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 you you can think about it. Uh, it's it's a song about vulnerability, right? And this is something that uh, people who don't pay attention to Metallica's lyrics don't realize that there's there's a great deal of vulnerability and, and emotional range, uh, not just in the uh, the music, but in the in the lyrics themselves. It's probably because people are a lot more vulnerable than they think, whether they'll ever admit it or not. Human beings are a vulnerable species. And when you hear something like that, whether or not you subconsciously think about it or it's right there, you know, that's why you're feeling it. You know, that that probably plays a big factor. And I guess I've never really looked at it from that aspect of the vulnerability of that song. You know, well, I mean, and... when, when you love, right, you take a chance, right? And uh, in, in the song, he takes a chance that doesn't work out. I mean, to mm-hmm. love is to risk uh, and, and to be vulnerable. 
Uh, and of course, it's Man. not the kind of thing that guys tend to like to admit, particularly macho guys uh, like Hetfield. And uh, there, there you get it uh, in this song. And uh, if you're not paying attention, well, it's just another song. It's the sequel to the first uh, Unforgiven. But if you pay attention. Just another. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Wow. Beside me, tell me what they've done, and speak the words I wanna hear to make my demons run. The door is locked now, but it's open if you're true. If you can understand the me, then I can understand. Interesting part, gentlemen, out of our 15, well, I had an honorable mention, out of our 16 songs, six of those come from the Load Reload era. Yeah, well, it's what Jeff said, right? I mean, it shines brightest uh, in, in many ways, although I'd say it's also, mm-hmm. maybe maybe St. Anger is, uh, is, is a low point, uh, but uh, there are some, some duds lyrically in the, in the Load era as well. Yeah, once you said that and you brought up some of the songs like, you know, 2 by 4 Ain't My Bitch. I love Ain't My Bitch. Great song, but lyrically, nothing special. Nothing special at all. So you're right. It definitely has some some duddy, just kind of like, ah, oh, that's filler if you want to go just by lyrical standpoint. That's just, that's fluff. But yeah, those songs that shine, they they really take you to a whole nother place. And especially yeah. being a hardcore Metallica fan. You know, this is the, this is, I don't want to say the first chance, but when load and reload comes out, this is essentially the first chance that Metallica fans get to connect with Metallica on a personal level. Like they never connected with them before. They're like, oh shit, these guys that I see as, as gods, as you know, whatever, larger than life, they actually have, they have feelings. Very That's true. Right. They're humans. That's right. Jeff, when we when we play our show in Pennsylvania and Mr. Bill Irwin comes out, we will call this the Irwin set list. Can you imagine playing a show? Dyer's Disposable House Harvester Leper Sleeps, Sanitarium Low Man's Fade God Fixer, One Thing Fight Unforgiven 2. <laughs> nice. You know, we could go on record and say that's the set right there in that that's order. It. In that opening, order. Opening with Dyer's, closing with Unforgiven 2. <laughs> And you know what's what, funny what is a fan like Bill. This year, right? How fun would that be? I was going to say a, a true fan like Bill, he'd probably appreciate the hell out of a set. Like, shit, you're going to close with Unforgiven 2? Yep, let's yeah, see it. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm sure you guys got a lot of really diehard fans love, love the stuff that you do, right? I mean, there's some of the deeper cuts that they don't hear necessarily Absolutely. when they go to see Metallica play. That's what we get off on, Bill. We love playing Unforgiven 2 stuff. We, we really, play really Unforgiven 2 a lot more recently, actually, than we play Unforgiven 1. Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, everybody's heard it a million times, right? Yeah, and people really get into it. We get a great reaction. People get into it. They sing it. It's it's really yeah. a cool thing to see because that song never got enough attention. So to yeah. see people, you know, even 25 plus years later, it's like, okay, this song is... It's still holding still the test solid. of time. Yeah. And means so much and means so many different things to everyone in the crowd. And that's what we're talking about right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Mr. Irwin, can we put you on the spot and play a little jump in the fire and name that lyric line? Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try. But this is a, this is a no win situation for me. I think let's give it a shot. 
I think you're going to be okay. When you write a badass book, The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics, you, you have a step up on more than most contestants in the rest of the world. Don't right. worry. If you really botch it, we'll just cut the whole thing because we don't <laughs> we don't want the the author of a Metallica lyric book to botch name that low man's lyric. Okay. All right. <laughs> so the fix is in maybe. 187 pages of some of the deepest things I've ever read on Metallica. I th- I think he's going to be okay. I think know. he's going to do just fine. <laughs> All right. Name that lyric line number 1. Love it or leave it, she with the deadly bite, quick as the blue tongue, forked as the lightning strike. Don't tread on me. Love that song. A lot of people don't like that That song from Black Album, right? It's got a different feel to it, but that's actually one of my favorites, and it gets some uh, ample discussion in the book. I don't even think you had to think about that, Bill. By the time I shut up, you're like, got it. I've sung that in the shower by myself many times. That makes two of us. <laughs> Jeff, do you sing in the shower? Yeah, but, well, actually, no, not really. I think I used to when I was in high school, but not really anymore. Do you sing in the car as you're teaching our kids of the future how to drive? Not while I'm teaching, but maybe after I drop them off and I'm driving home, I might sing from time to time. Okay. <laughs> Just from time to time. Which means a lot. This one might be tough, Bill. I'm going to only give you one line. It only has a total of four words. Carved upon my stone. So that's uh, wherever I may roam. You are killing it. As I'm looking at this lyrics, they've only played that, Jeff, 812 times. That's not enough. (laughs) Where's the love? (laughs) 800 times. That's that's a lot of roaming. That's a lot of wah pedal. 8 or 900 times. That's too many times. Think about how much wah in 800 times of playing in Rome. He probably had to replace the the wah a couple times. Just a few. I'm, I'm trying to trick Bill up here, but I don't think it's going to happen, Jeff. We already know he's doing too well. We should just it's, quit while we're ahead. Yeah, when you're a master and... I mean, come on, you're a professor at a university. There's not much that can get by you. You'd be surprised. Oh, we're going to try right here. This is this is it right here. This is the tough one. But there's no one around. Just want one thing. Oh, I even know that one. <laughs> oh, even Jeff knows it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, and I'm going to, for our listeners, the first two, I didn't know. Yes, you did. Swear to God. Come on. Swear to God. When he said it, I was like, oh. You need to brush up. That's, But I knew that one. I got credit for that, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, I, I do have one complaint about the show. I was oh, promised awesome. there would be a, a charcuterie board in the, in the green room. <laughs> whoa, and, whoa. Uh, whoa. Direct, like direct all hate direct mail. Direct hit right there. Direct all hate mail to mpodcastforall at gmail.com. We don't take on-air complaints. I'm sorry, my friend. Fair wow. enough, but I'm hungry. On-air he goes, but I'm hungry. <laughs> I think Bill yes. will get along with Pizzle. Oh, yeah. Hey, I like charcuterie boards. They're tasty. I'm trying to pick a, a hard song here. Okay, well, why he's, he's picking just... why he's picking a hard song, I'm going to spring a question on you. So normally we do the song that should not be. <laughs> but but because because the lyric 
I want the lyric line. What is your yeah. least favorite lyric line? Because obviously you said there's some duds in the load and reload yeah, era. Same anger. That, that, that's kind of easy for me. Ooh, give which me one? fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. That's the worst of all time. It, it, it kills me. Oh, I mean, man. It, it's a personal choice, wow. right? I mean, it just, it, it's a cliche, you know? Jeff, and, and, he and, must drive a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and none of that fuel shit. Word cliches, you know, their whole career, and it's like, uh, it it just it, it just rubs me the wrong way. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be getting the hate train coming my way for that, but there you I go. I was hoping you were gonna pick the Snow White line from Enter Sandman because God, that's fuel. terrible. Wow. No love for fuel, and uh, as he mm. said that, I am thinking of reading the book one and a half times, and fuel is not mentioned. Well, now pick a line from Fuel that he wouldn't know. And, no, I'm just kidding. And say, all right, what song is it from? Uh, line number four for Mr. Irwin is, I fear to turn on the light for the darkness won't go away. I know this one too. Jeff, shut up. Oh. I fear to turn on the light for the darkness won't go away. If I can say in my life that I've stumped an actual professor. If he doesn't get it, can I answer it? Oh, Halo Maybe. on Fire, right? Oh, nicely done. I don't know how nicely I didn't done, know Bill. wherever I may roam, but I knew Halo on Fire. <laughs> nice recovery. Yeah, I thought you had me. I thought I did too. I don't think I'm going to stump the professor, so you have to take my medal away, Jeff. Well, it definitely ain't going to me. And for our final jump in the fire, name that lyric line with Mr. Irwin, Northeast Pennsylvania. Say, is that rain or are they tears that has stained your concrete face for years? I will say when we play that song, it's off Death death Magnetic, right? I do say that out loud. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. uh, it is. Is it Judas Kiss? Is that your final answer? No. <laughs> Say, is that rain or are they tears that has stained your concrete face for years? I'm still legitimately baffled that I couldn't get wherever I may roam, and I know this one too. <laughs> like, it literally baffles me. Uh, it's not Judas Kiss, but I, I'm 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 blanking. I can't pull the trigger on it. Ooh, a little cyanide. That's in the bridge, I want to say. Yes, it is. Concrete. Face four years. F sharp to E. Write that down, Jeff. I stumped a professional professor. You got me. Golf clap. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, nicely done. That's impressive. I would have gotten two. Jeff would have gotten three. And you killed us with four. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Pleasure playing along. I'm having fun talking to you, Bill. I this is I could seriously talk to you till four or five in the morning. 
we could go through every chapter. We could go through every favorite song of ours on each record. And just what I've learned from you tonight is impressive. A little Jack Daniels in Jack's house, Jeff. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's, it's an absolute house. pleasure talking with you guys. I'm, I, I, I know we'd be buddies uh, in real life if we were oh. connected somehow. Absolutely. Are you planning on going to any shows this summer? Let's see. Yeah, no, no, not the not Metallica shows. The 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 next show that I'm going to nearby here is uh, Richie Blackmore is doing his uh, sort of medieval lute playing cool. thing uh, at a cool. place nearby. I'm going to check Good out. Good old Richie. I actually went to school in in Buffalo, so in a way, it would be fun to get back to Buffalo. But I'm I'm not actually planning on it yet. Gotcha. What about you guys? Are you planning to go to anything or? We're planning to go to the uh, Pittsburgh show this summer. Oh, yeah. Nice. Jeff is dying to see Greta Van Fleet and not Metallica, <laughs> so we're going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. You're, you're joking about <laughs> you Greta me. Van Fleet, I hope. Oh, Shane is joking when he says that, but I do actually like Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, I, it's okay. Can I, can I admit something on Season 8, Episode 4? Yes. They're starting to kind of grow on me. Because they're not that bad. They're actually pretty good. I never thought I would admit that on the show. I There's a few tracks that are starting to kind of make their way into my playlist once or twice a week. That's what I like to hear. It's good don't stuff. tell anyone, though. Yeah. Nobody will I mean, I have to admit, I, I don't think I've ever even heard them. It just rubs me the wrong way somehow. It's a little different, but after... the And the reason they're growing on me, Jeff, is because it's a track that we used for one of the episodes, so it kind of randomly plays on my iTunes on Shuffle. And then you hear it now and you're like, oh. when I hear the studio version, I'm like, that, that's actually a pretty good song. <laughs> they're, they're not bad, man. They're not bad. Mr. Irwin, thank you so much. The Meaning of Metallica, Ride the Lyrics, available April 19th. Available now as you listen to this. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your favorite bookstore, online. Get your copy because when Shane sits down to read, and I almost read it twice, this is... This is a must for any diehard, any new Metallica fan, old school, new school, anywhere in between. The meaning of a Metallica, ride the lyrics. Bill, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Shane and Jeff. A real pleasure. Thank you. I anticipate a part two with Mr. Irwin, Jeff. We already discussed, man. Ronnie Law's coming to town. <laughs> Ronnie Law's coming back. That's and right. Bill's going to have name that lyric lines for you and I, and we'll see if we can even get on the scoreboard. And I'll have to rethink yeah. fuel, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. And I burn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you got anything else? Nope. I'm good, man. Bill, thanks again. Jeff, All I right, will see awesome, you next guys. week. And the meaning of a Metallica, ride the lyrics. Go pick up your copy today. We will see you soon, Bill. Thanks so much, guys. Leave Tell me what they've done And speak the words I wanna hear To make my demons run The door is locked now But it's open if you're true If you can understand me Then I can understand you Sky through back of
Yes, now I see it. 